His and Hers Horror features two adults discussing horror movies, serial killers, and other spooky content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. listening to his and hers horror my name is tia and i'm david and this is episode one in what i am tentatively calling our summer vacation series okay because i got to thinking about it and when i looked at the next few episodes we have planned Mm -hmm. i'm like okay these are all very like summer vacation-y okay if that makes sure 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 it may not make sense to anyone other than me right now but once the other episodes are released everyone else will be like oh Uh, okay okay. yeah i get it yeah i get it uh so today we're talking about tourist traps tourist traps so you know you're taking a drive maybe you're on your way to a fun vacation spot or you're gonna go visit family and you see those signs on the side of the road that are like world's biggest ball ball of yarn yeah walnut bowls or there's like a giant statue of like a blue ox Mm -hmm. in some places yeah various weird things world's largest rocking chair yeah the novak dinosaur what what's an it's a new vegas reference oh yeah okay these are tourist traps, however, that you should avoid. Don't, not those ones, the ones we're going to talk about, because nothing good will happen to you there. Fair. All right. But before we do that, dun, 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 this weekend horror. Yay. I know. I didn't tell you I had one. No, you didn't tell me you had one. Technically, I have two, but one of them is like more of a review. Okay. thing. So they've been working on this new Ghostbusters movie for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I keep seeing trailers for it. And, well, there's a new trailer that just released last week. Mm-hmm. And it flushes things out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Annie Potts is actually in this trailer, and I fucking love her. And I, it what looked to me like Dan Aykroyd's arm. Dan Aykroyd's arm and voice are at the very end of the trailer. Yeah. It looks really cute. I'm actually kind of getting excited about it. And it has Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. And I really like Paul Rudd. I'm pretty sure the woman playing the mom Mm -hmm. was uh, Petra on Jane the Virgin. Okay, yeah. I meant to look it up and I forgot. Yeah. I was busy doing other research. so That's okay. So we're getting that soon. Plus Finn Wolfhard's in it and I like Finn Wolfhard. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I get exhausted by seeing trailers that come out like a year or more before because I'm like, so that's not out on streaming or I can't well, buy it yet. And, and they're like, no, it's not even in theaters yet. And I'm like, well, and to be fair, this stuff, there's a lot of stuff that we initially got a trailer and then COVID happens. Right. But they've been doing this for five years. Well, because I'm fair. sorry, you tell me about a movie and you want me to get hype about it. Do that three to five months beforehand. No more, because otherwise I keep seeing trailers for it, and then I stop seeing trailers for it, so I figure, okay, it was in theaters, and We must have missed it, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you get this this resurgence of it, and they're like, the film everyone's been waiting for. I'm like, we've been waiting like three years since you told us about it and gave us our first shots of it. You know, what what are you doing? And there are some times where that happens where the movie gets shelved for whatever reason. Like, that's what happened with Cabin in the Woods. Fair. Because there was initially a, a trailer for Cabin in the Woods, and then for whatever reason, it didn't get released for like three or four years. Right. But it, it shouldn't be an industry standard. I know. I, and I agree. I'm, it, I still think it looks good. It, it does look good. I'm just saying that 
theatrical trailer fatigue is setting in yeah. for me. Where I'm like, okay, you've been telling me about this for so long, I don't even know if it's, you know, out on streaming yet. Yeah. So speaking of stuff not being worth the wait, we purchased outright without seeing it because we have all the other movies. We bought Spiral mm-hmm. from the Book of Saw. So we have now watched it. Mm-hmm. And while it's not necessarily a it's not necessarily a bad movie, it's definitely my least favorite of the franchise. Yeah. I feel like they had an opportunity with the whole corrupt cops angle yeah. of tying it into the remaining Jigsaw protege from Jigsaw, right. which was the last movie released. They could have tied that in and had that Logan guy be like a mentor or something. working together, something. But they didn't do that. And I feel like that was a huge missed opportunity. Well, plus with uh, Costas Mandalore constantly teasing stuff on Twitter saying, I don't know, I might be. Am I in this? Yeah, exactly. Because he was a, well, I mean, he was a corrupt cop in a different way. Well, and and we never saw, as far as the Saw franchise goes, unless you see a body, my assumption is that person is still alive. Right. So since the last time we saw Hoffman, he was locked in that bathroom by Lawrence Gordon. My... Assumption is he's still alive. Right. Until I see a body, he's still alive. So, I don't know. There's just a, a lot they could have done. My other problem with it is I felt like, and I'm not, if you didn't see it coming, listener, then more power to you. But to me, the twist was painfully obvious. Yeah. And I've been watching these, I've been watching the Saw franchise since the beginning. Right. So, in 17 years, I have never guessed the twist of a Saw film. And I guessed it, what, 40, 45 minutes in? At least, yeah. Yeah. So, I was disappointed. There were things that I was kind of hoping that they would do. Maybe it's just that I'm that savvy to, and I pay that much attention to stuff now, that it was easy for me to see where they were going. Yeah. But I felt like if you were going to do that as a writer, if you were going to signpost stuff to make the ending twist clear of this is where you were going, you should have at some point done something to completely flip that on its head. Yeah. That's what the soft franchise typically has done. And this is the first film that hasn't really done that. And it was just kind of disappointing. I'm not going to harp on it too much. I just felt kind of robbed of the traps. The traps weren't great. I mean, I mean, actually, well, some of them weren't that bad. No, the they traps just, were fine. It's just they they were fleeting cameos instead of stars. The way it was edited was very weird mm-hmm. when it came to the traps. And they also seemed to me to be less... They weren't jigsaw traps. No. They were Hoffman and Amanda traps. They weren't traps that were meant to escape so you value your life or learn a lesson. They were punishments. Yeah. And... I just, I, I got, I finished the film and I was like, I can't help but feel that John Kramer would not approve of his legacy being used this way. Right. So anyway, if you, again, if you all liked it, that's fine. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying it's definitely, it's definitely at the bottom for me. Right. And I mean, since you hold that franchise in such high regard, I mean, the bottom of, the bottom of that franchise is still miles above Half of the films we've seen. I mean, that's true. I probably will skip this one. And whenever I do a marathon, Mm. I'll probably skip this one. 
Because here's the thing, I can because it has no real tie to the other to the rest of the films in the franchise, except for a couple mentions. Yeah, exactly. So that's gonna do it for this week in horror. Cool. Let's get into the meat of the episode. Yeah, our uh... the delicious steak, or if you're vegan or vegetarian, the delicious cauliflower steak cauliflower steak (laughs) that's very well seasoned and delicious i'm sure i don't know i saw a recipe for for this like roasted cauliflower that's that it's coated in like yogurt blended with 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 all these spices with a curry yeah 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 and then like roasted until golden i still want to try that making to make that in the winter we never do well yeah we'll do it this year anyway this is not a cooking (laughs) this is not a cooking (laughs) cooking podcast it'd it'd be like a cooking show it's like i'm just going to describe to you what i'm doing I did ask, like, last year, I was like, if I made a cooking show, would anybody watch it? Like, if I made cooking videos on YouTube, nobody got back to me on that. <laughs> Fair. All right. I, I'd watch it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd probably be helping. You would it. be helping, so. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Guess who my editor is? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about 2005's House of Wax. Mm-hmm. It's another Dark Castle film. It has zero ties whatsoever to the Vincent Price House of Wax, except for the title. Yeah, so that's a fact. Yeah. So the plot, Carly and her friends are on a road trip to a college football game. Too tired to keep driving for the night, they camp out in the middle of nowhere. When they wake up to find one of the cars is dead, they head to the local ghost town of Ambrose, Louisiana, home to the once famous House of Wax. But there's something a little too real about these wax figures. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Directed by... I'm not sure if this is Jami or Jamie. It's J-A-U-M-E. Mm. Colette Sarah is the director. Okay. This is another one that was written by Chad and Carrie Hayes. <laughs> I think we've had one of those in like every episode for the past month or so. Yeah. Yeah, we have. I mean, they did a lot of... They wrote a lot of stuff for, for Dark Castle, so... Mm, that's fair. The cast... This is actually, for the early 2000s, this was a fairly big cast, really, when you mm-hmm. think about it. Uh, so we have Alicia Cuthbert as Carly. She was Kim Bauer on 24. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chad Michael Murray is her brother, Nick. Lucas mm. Scott on One Tree Hill. Most recently, Edgar Evernever on Riverdale. Oh, yeah. He's also in a... Um, he's in a commercial. He's in a commercial for like Hotels.com or something like that. Uh, oh, yeah, where he's talking Captain about... Captain Obvious. Yeah, the thing with Captain Obvious. Yeah. Brian Van Holt plays Bo and Vincent Sinclair. Mm-hmm. He was uh, Ray Burton on the bridge. Yep. Paris Hilton plays Paige. Mm-hmm. She's Paris Hilton. Yeah. I don't have to tell you all who Paris Hilton is. At least I don't think so. Gen- generally not. No. Jared Padalecki is Wade. He most recently wrapped up his run as Sam Winchester on Supernatural. Which was like... Half of some of our listeners' It was lives. like 15 years. Yeah. Something like that. Before that, he was Dean on Gilmore Girls. He's going to be playing Walker in a Walker, Texas Ranger reboot. Oh, good grief. Yeah. John Abrams is Dalton. He was Jerry on Masters of the House. And then Robert Richard is Blake. He was Julian on Empire, mm. most recently. Yeah. Budget of $40 million. Okay. Box office of 70.1. Okay. So not too bad. Yeah, I mean... I mean, eh. All things considered, yeah. I think it was released in the summer, which is typically not the best time for slashers, if I remember correctly. Fair, but I would call this a soft slasher. I, yeah. Well, not, not that it's not gruesome, it's just, it's 
it it's it's a little on the campier side, so it's some it's something you could kind of drop in, but in in that post blockbuster lull. I yeah, I guess, I would agree with that. I, think I don't know I, what I don't know what month it was released, but I I don't remember. I know I saw this in theaters because I thought Jared Padalecki was cute. Number one and number two, there was a big marketing thing. They actually the studio actually let Paris Hilton do this. But basically promoting the film based on the fact that her character dies. Yeah. So they actually allowed her to sell like merch, like t-shirts and stuff that said on such and such release date. I want to say it was in May of 2005. Watch Paris die. So. I mean, you know what? I I, I want to take a brief moment before we get into this. Okay. And just kind of nip this in the bud. A lot of people say, why does Paris Hilton keep showing up in shows like Veronica Mars or movies like House of Wax? Well, I say keep showing up. I this I just like I pretty much listed ago. her filmography, but <laughs> um, here's the thing: she's she's not been given roles to be highly challenging. She's being given roles that actually are just average, normal. Well, they're basically people. versions of herself. Yeah. So you can't really say, oh, well, she can't act, and maybe she can, maybe she can't. I don't know, but I just don't feel like well, folks same... at large have given her. Well, she's in Repo, the genetic opera. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. and Well, and honestly, it's like, so what if she can't act? She doesn't need to. She's a Hilton. Yeah, fair. She's fine. <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is I just don't like seeing the hate that gets thrown her way. Yeah, I don't think she deserves the the shit that she gets. Or the definitely a lot of what she got back in the day. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this movie. Yeah. So Carly and her group of friends, including her twin brother, Nick, who's kind of a troublemaker, they're going to this, it's, they keep saying it's the biggest game of the year. It's at some football stadium in Baton Rouge and they're road tripping. And unfortunately they ended up having to take two cars. They could have all fit in, what's his name? Blake's truck. Right. His fuck, which it's like an, it's, it's like a Cadillac pickup truck. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense to me. I was very much, and, and you know, because you've, you've had this, Apparently, I have a lot of opinions that are similar to my dad's (laughs) on certain things. And so David, on our drive home recently, got to hear my dad say the exact same thing that I've said regarding pickup trucks, which is um, if you don't work in a field where you need a pickup truck, driving them doesn't really make sense, especially these like giant souped up pickup trucks. Yeah. So a luxury pickup truck definitely does not make sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, fair. So Blake basically finds on the GPS, finds some detour that he thinks is going to save them like an hour. Right. Because they don't even have tickets to this ba- to this uh, football game. Yeah. They're, they, they're... they still have to find like a scalper and shit when they get there. Like this is the most poorly planned road trip. Plus, yeah. we don't even know where they're road tripping from. I'm not exactly sure. I know at one point they mentioned that Wade, Carly's boyfriend, is from Gainesville. So I don't know if maybe they're road tripping from Florida or maybe they all go to college somewhere closer to, I I don't know. They never really specify. Yeah. So they are taking this detour and they basically end up kind of getting lost a little bit. Yeah. So they decide, fuck it, we'll camp for the night and basically just in a field in the middle of nowhere. They could be on someone's private property. They have no idea. Well, he said he didn't pass any fence posts, so... Right, because at one point later on that night, there's a truck that just comes with the headlights and is just watching them. Yeah. And nobody gets out of the truck or anything. 
At this point, they've got like tents set up, they're drinking, they're partying. And this dude with these headlights is just sitting there. And Nick, being the, you know, tough guy or whatever, throws a beer bottle. Decent throw, though. Oh, yeah. Super accurate throw. And smashes one of the headlights and the dude leaves. Yeah. But when that dude shows up, they have this conversation. At least Wade and Blake do. Or like, maybe we're on this guy's property. And Blake is like, well, no, we didn't pass any gates. I didn't see any signs. So as far as they're aware, they're just in the middle of the woods. And this guy's just being a douche. Hmm. So morning comes. More well, like afternoon. Well, more like afternoon because they <laughs> fucked up and overslept. So it's like 2.30 in the afternoon. And they're packing up their shit. They're getting ready to leave. Wade goes to start his Mustang, mm-hmm. which is a sweet fucking car. And uh, it will not start because the fan belt is broken, which is weird because he says it's a brand new fan belt. Yeah. I mean, plausible. It could be a brand new fan belt that was you know brittle or having you know right had some sort of rot or something but something happened not very likely who knows yeah manufacturer's defect yeah but that doesn't make a great movie to be like oh well we're stuck because there was a manufacturer's, manufacturer's defect, defect so i'll call yeah. you know i'll call the roadside assistance and get get a new one yeah and of course this is 2005 in the middle of the nowhere and they're in the middle of nowhere so only two of them have cell phones yeah but they end up meeting this tow truck driver yeah. Lester. Yeah. They they meet him by way of smell because he's... Uh, Carly falls down a hill into a roadkill pit, Yeah, I guess is what you would call it. Yeah. Yeah. Like face first. It It's it's rough. Yeah. And because basically Lester's got a tow truck, but he also cleans up all the, the roadkill. Mm-hmm. He agrees to drive Wade into the local town of Ambrose. And Carly decides to go with him for some fucking reason. I don't know why. And then everyone else is like, well, do you want us to wait for you? What do you want us to do? And Wade tells them, no, you guys go ahead and go to the game. We'll get this fan belt and then we'll just catch up. We'll catch up with you. So they get to this town and they don't really see anybody. Right. There's a few cars parked up on the side of the road, but not not dense. There's nobody on the there's nobody outside. They see there's like puppies in the pet shop window and there's a lady who like opens her curtain and then shuts it again, but they don't really see anybody. Right. But they hear music coming from this church. So they go to take a look and that's where they stumble upon Bo. Bo runs the local gas station slash auto shop and they, it appears that they've interrupted basically a funeral. Yeah. And he's pretty terse with them. Yeah. So they go back outside. He comes to meet him real quick and says, hey, let me wrap up this funeral and I'll get you guys your fan belt and I'll drive you back to your, you know, your car or whatever. It'll, you know, everything will be fine. Right. So one of the draws of this particular town is Trudy's House of Wax. Yes. And they saw a couple signs for it, I think, when they were on their way into into this little town with Lester, the tow truck driver. Right. And they saw it the night before, too, I think. I think so. And they're like, well, since it's going to be like half an hour, because Bo said, hey, I'll see you guys in 30 minutes. They're like, why don't we go up and check out this house of wax? Because Wade's really into it. (sighs) Fucking Wade. Fucking Wade. We'll get we'll get to we'll get to fucking Wade. So they get up to this house of wax and it's actually kind of cool looking. It is. And then he like grabs his keys out of his pocket and kind of picks at the wall 
It's literally made of wax. So he's destroying property. What? I'm sorry. That Look, if you did that at Disneyland, security would be on your ass. I mean, yes, but this is a, a ghost town in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana. Okay, so Nobody if you did cared. that at Disneyland in, like, November, security would still be on your that ass. That is true. That is true. So they go inside, even though it clearly says that the place is closed. They go inside anyway, because she Wade not really wants to look around. And the thing that's weird about this, now, I don't know about you. I've been to, like, a wax museum before. Yeah, there's same. one in um, there's one in Hollywood that's yeah. near Grauman's. Yeah, that's where I've been. Okay, we've, so we've been to the same one. Neat. Neat. Normally, and Wade even points this out, normally things like that, they it's celebrities. Yeah, fa- famous people of some kind. Or, you know, celebrities, presidents, uh, you know, historical figures of some sort. Yeah. Um, f- big film characters. Yeah. Like, I think the I think when I went to that wax museum, there was there was a Hellboy statue. Mm. There was also a Jason Voorhees and a Freddy Krueger. I couldn't tell you who was there when, when I went. I was maybe eight. I was an adult. I was 22, 23. This was like 31 years ago, and yeah. I probably didn't want to be there. I'm sure I have pictures somewhere in a, in a drawer. I don't know. Anyway, Wade is like, this is really weird. Aren't these supposed to be famous people? I don't recognize any of, the, any of these statues. Right. Uh, but the detail is really good. Like, everything in this house is wax, basically. Yeah, the, the fruit, the individual pieces of fruit in, in on this platter on a table. The plates that are in the dish rack in the kitchen. Each individual one is wax. Is a wax plate. And it, they, the detail on some of the stuff is impressive. Like, really, the only thing I think that isn't wax is the glass in the windows. The, the glass in the windows and... Wade comes across what he thinks is a wax dog, but it turns out it's, a, it's an actual dog. <laughs> and it barks at it, him and scares, it scares the shit, the shit out of him. That's pretty pretty funny. Yeah. So they leave the house of wax because it's kind of freaking Carly out. And they run across Bo again, who takes them up to his house. Yeah, after he accuses, asks why they're trespassing because they're just digging around in his shop, you know, because it's not locked either. Yeah, because they, they said they got tired of waiting because they're like, he said he'd be half an hour and he's 45 minutes, which... That's not that big of a difference. I like that Carly points out the same thing I've been thinking the whole time is that uh-huh. he, he's been an asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he just he just comes off as this like entitled abrasive dick. Like I'm no, sure he's a nice a straight guy. white man, an entitled dick. No. Well, okay. <laughs> we can tack American onto that too because Fair. you know. But yeah, I don't know. His character just rubs me the wrong way. I still think. He definitely does not deserve what comes to him, though. In a horror movie, he earned what he got. It's still pretty brutal. It is. It is. So, Bo takes them up to the house. Carly's going to wait in the truck. Wade said he needed to use the bathroom, so he goes Mm -hmm. into the house with Bo. And then after he's done using the bathroom, Wade starts snooping again. Because this this kid just does not freaking stop. I don't know what it... It's (sighs) Like, Like, he has some sort of hardwired I know I said I was going to do this but I'm going to do this instead right unfortunately boundaries my dude I know boundaries. I know it's really bad 
I get that you're you might be curious about things sometimes, but just fucking Pe- don't. Pe- peeking your head in is one thing. Walking around and digging through stuff and swinging around medical instruments is a totally different ballpark. Well, not to be fair, he was later swinging around medical instruments in self-defense. <laughs> and <laughs> so, Bo's twin brother Vincent somehow in whatever room Wade is in, it's like some sort of weird medical room. Mm-hmm. In this house, I. Yeah, because, you know, we all they're, have they're the medical dad, surgical rooms. Well, the dad was a doctor. Right. Yeah, he was a disgraced surgeon. Yeah. Basically, Vincent cuts the lights and there's a trap door in the floor. That's not all he cuts. <laughs> and uses some sort of knife to cut Wade's Achilles tendon and then knocks him the fuck out. Yeah. I, I will say Jared Padalecki screams as he's trying to scoot away on his backside. With the acting of, of having a severed Achilles tendon. Quite convincing. He's, he sounded genuinely pained. Yeah, he did. Which, I don't know. Some, sometimes I get nitpicky on, like, the, the way people, you know, express pain. Not that I've ever had that done to me, but, you know, it's like... Sometimes, sometimes you hear people are like, ow, ow! I'm like, no, you would, you would not have vocalization yeah. for that. Yeah, exactly. So, I'm sorry. I, that's just me being... No, you're fine. I, I think you did a great job there. Yeah. Unfortunately, things continue to be bad for Wade. Yeah. At least he gets a seat. Vincent. So, so here's what happens. Mm. I know. Vincent basically takes him down to his workshop, mm-hmm. stitches up his wounds, because he also stabbed him. Yeah. Vincent did. Stabbed him in the chest. Yes. Stitches up his wounds, waxes off all of his facial hair. One pull. In one, yeah, which impressive, honestly. But I mean, dude's probably been doing this most of his life, so. That's true. And then sits him in this contraption that I can't even really describe. It's basically a chair, and it's got a sort of a, if you can stretch your mind to to understand it, a basket halo that kind of fits around a head. To like hold it in place? Yeah, with with, uh, precision prods, if you will, that... Don't penetrate the the face or anything. They just kind of hold it in place. So there's yeah. there's a whole bunch of pieces that you can kind of twist and kind of tighten into something that covers the eyes also. Yeah, co- covers the eyes and keeps your you know your head aligned and your you yeah. Know, so so it doesn't move or slip or anything like that. Because and then he turns a couple of switches, mm-hmm. twists a valve, and starts spraying Wade with hot wax. Yeah, and he's still alive. Mm-hmm. By the way. And basically ends up making Wade into a new wax figure for the museum. Yeah. And even after being made into a wax figure, he's still alive. Because later when one of the friends finds him, he's able to move his eyes. And and shed a tear. And can and shed a tear. And it's kind of like, you can hear vocalizations, but he can't open his mouth because wax. Yeah. So Carly, unfortunately... Mm-hmm. Is also not having a good time. No, she's not. She has noticed, because she got out of the truck, she got sick of waiting, and was just kind of standing outside of it, looking around. Right. And she notices that Bo's truck is the one that was watching them last night, because it's got the same broken headlight, and the grill and everything is the same. So there's a bit of a tussle, but Bo, again, being a big, muscly guy, and Carly being played by five foot three Alicia Cuthbert, he takes her down to his shop, and ties her up and glues her mouth shut yeah yeah i mean there's some in- events between some some fun stunt work but yeah yeah some really impressive uh driving with uh, her head down by the floorboard 
Yeah, she actually drives better when she's not watching. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. So meanwhile, while all this shit's going on with Wade and Carly, the rest of the group, they got stuck in traffic and basically decided we're not going to make it to the game anyway. So let's just go back for the others and see what's going on. Yeah. They basically go back to the exact same campsite they were at. Blake wants to get it on with his girlfriend, Paige. I mean. So he tells Nick and Dalton, here's the keys to my car. You guys go get them. Fair. So, I mean, he has been driving all day. That's true. Well, sitting in traffic all day, but still. Well, yeah. He's like, I'm sick of driving. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to fuck my girlfriend. Because he does come up to Dalton and Nick while they're like peeing. And he's like, hey, are you guys going to get laid? Because I am. If you guys fucking leave. <laughs> so, Bye. So you guys go look for Wade and Carly. I'm going to stay here and fuck my hot girlfriends. Here's my keys. Fuck off. Which, fair. Yeah. So yeah, so Nick and Dalton get to Ambrose and they are also like, this is really weird. There's fucking nobody here. Right. They split up. Dalton goes to the House of Wax. Nick is just kind of looking around town and realizing shit's really fucking weird. Because there's like, there's a 24 hour grocery store and he's like, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go there and get a drink. It's supposed to be 24 hours, but he tries to open the door and it won't open. Right. So it's kind of odd. Yeah. He keeps noticing it. he doesn't see anybody and it seems really weird. And he does eventually run into Bo. Coming out of the service station. Coming out of the service station. Yeah. And he and Bo are kind of walking away when Carly is actually able to unglue her lips. Yeah. Cause and scream for her brother. Honestly, I think that's the only time I've seen someone um, being muzzled by having their lips super glued together. Yeah, it's really, which I, I didn't know if that would be effective or not. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah. All the things I've super glued in the past couple of years. I, I, there have been a couple of times I've been terrified when, I, when I've had just my fingers touch and I go, ooh, 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 nope. Fair. Okay. So yeah, as delicate as the skin and, and everything is on the lips. Yeah. Man, she's yeah strong. But yeah, basically Nick has a big fight with Bo and then we think Bo leaves because we see that his tow truck, he's also got a tow truck that goes away. So they think he's leaving. So they decide that they're going to go up to the house up to Bo's house, because that's the last place Carly saw Wade. And that's also where she had her cell phone. Where her cell phone got lost, yeah. While this is going on, Dalton has reached the House of Wax and sees what he thinks is Wade just sitting at the piano, and he's like, hey man, let's go. But as he gets closer, he realizes that, oh my gosh, it's just a really lifelike statue of Wade. Which is really odd. That's weird. But he's like, Wade? And then it, then he turns his, he moves his eyes. And looks at him. And then Dalton makes a bad choice. Yes. In my yes, opinion. A really bad choice. Because he's like, hold on, dude, I'm going to get you out of there. And then he like grabs a piece of wax from his face and kind of like peels it away. Uh, yeah. And unfortunately, because I guess hot wax just kind of melds with skin at, at a certain point. Um, yeah, I, I would say... <laughs> You know, the the way it was kind of like spray misted on him, I would say you could you could imagine that the skin would have... Because uh, it was bubbling in that big cauldron. Yeah, so... That shit was hot. It would have basically impregnated the pores of the... Mm-hmm. I don't know a better term to use other than impregnated. Like, like you can have leather that's that's 
you know. Yeah. It, it basically, he's yeah. 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 That. If they if they had gotten him out of the, out of there, there would have been some very specific things they needed to do to safely get that wax off of him. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, that doesn't fucking matter yeah. because Vincent ambushes Dalton, and in doing so, when he goes to slice at Dalton, slices into Wade instead. Yeah. And like he immediately dies of shock, well, which I'm he, surprised he didn't die of shock already. Well, his whole side of his cheeks gone. Yeah. That's yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Ugh. And. Uh, then Dalton gets beheaded by what I thought was a really cool pair of scissors. Nope. But no, it just turns out it's it was two, like, very strategically placed knives. <laughs> yeah, one, one knife handle is uh, the front end of a dragon and the back end is the tail of the dragon. So it kind of looks... Yeah. So the way he had it, it kind of looked like a dragon kind of swooping. Right, yeah. They were really cool. Yeah, yeah. If you're a fan of knives, this movie's got quite a few really mm-hmm. nice looking knives yeah show pieces yeah so carly and nick are running through town trying to find somebody because they still think that there's somebody else and carly's like remembering that lady who pulled back the curtain mm-hmm. and looked out the window and mm-hmm. it's like oh that lady we can go to her yeah that glimmer of hope she has and unfortunately that is about when they start to realize that the wax figures Basically, everybody in town is a wax figure. Everything that looks like a person is actually a wax figure. That whole group in the church at the funeral? Yeah. They were all wax people. Not only are they wax figures, they are all corpses of people who have been lured into the town. And Bo has basically been manipulating Vincent into murdering people. Yep. I think it's more that Bo is doing the murder... And using Vincent to kind of, like, cover it up. Although I'm not sure why that's necessary since this town... We learned that this town has been abandoned for, like, ten years. But Vincent seems to be doing quite a bit of murder on his own volition, too. That's true. Because Bo even said that he didn't want them, didn't want him going out on his own, so... That's true. Those were unsanctioned murders. Yeah, because Vincent does go and kill uh, Blake and Paige. Yeah. Just pretty randomly. And bring back some cars, I think. Brings back his car. His car, yes. Yeah, the Cadillac truck. Because there's like a sugar mill where all the stuff that they've gotten from people they've lured to the town. There's like a box of cell phones. There's luggage. It kind of is like Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, that actually had a really good scene because there's this part where Paige is doing the best she can to kind of run and escape the imminent danger she's in. Yeah, she's wearing like no shoes, bra and panties, her boyfriend's t-shirt. Yeah. So, I mean... Armor class of zero. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but she's doing her best. She she finds some cover. She kind of tucks into a, a tight spot, and she's like, all right. She seems to kind of look like she's kind of centering herself, you know, settling into herself. Trying to get some some strength and resolve. And, and at least some wherewithal of where she's at. Yeah. Well, then in walks Vincent and kicks on the lights, and she looks around. She's like, I have absolutely no cover. Like, yeah. I am just basically sitting next to a box of probably at least 100 cell phones. Yeah, none of which doesn't, work, unfortunately. Which doesn't bode well, because uh, usually when you've got a box of just random cell phones and a bunch of cars. Yeah. It, yeah. I will say, other than other than Wade, Paige does have the most interesting kill of the film. Yeah. The pipe through the forehead. Which she acquires herself and and uses to protect herself until she gives him weapon Until she, yeah. Sorry. But he javelins that thing pretty good. Oh, yeah. 
and like center forehead. And I do really love the her dip forward and then sliding down the pole a little bit. It's a great effect. Yeah, it's well, a really good effect. I, I have to admit, though, when I, when I saw the pipe go through her head, my first thought wasn't pipe going through head. That's okay. what, That was her first thought. My first thought was, let off some steam, Bennett. Oh, yeah. From, from Commando. Commando. Commando reference. Yeah. Nice. Well, and the thing I really like is this director insisted on using practical effects as much as possible. Which, which would be appropriate for something like House of Wax. Yeah, exactly. So, Bo and Vincent, there's a big, you know, that final two chase where it's essentially Bo and Vincent against Nick and Carly. Right. So, it's twins versus twins. Yeah. And they chase them into the House of Wax. Nick somehow starts a fire. I didn't realize the wax was that fucking flammable. Oh, yeah. Uh, It basically ends up turning into fucking napalm. Well, molten wax, especially at that high heat. Yeah. You know, it, it's depending on the, the compounds that, that the wax is made of. You know, whether it's... It's unlikely that this is beeswax. So this is this is more of a... a I'm, I'm not a wax expert. I'm not a chemist, but I would say a chemical-based wax or a, you know, a manufactured wax, uh, paraffin wax, something like that. Okay. There's got to be a flashpoint to it. Fair. And it was already kind of bubbling and boiling, and well, then and he cranked the heat on it. Yeah, under... A great deal of heat. So, yeah, eventually you're going to have vapors that are going to go up that would then eventually I catch. I guess most stuff of it will, will eventually catch fire when, when great it enough reaches heat, a certain it will temperature. Catch, yeah. I think you probably burn anything. Well, I mean, look, get... look look at uh, magma flows and you've got stuff just kind of sitting 10 feet away that just ignites. That's true. So, I mean, a high enough temperature even. That's true. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of volcano videos for I, some look, reason. Well, I'm, I'm not... I don't know all the science, so... I have to ask you sometimes. And half the time I I do my best at the science. Right. So because Nick has started a fire in the basement of the aforementioned literal house of wax, it starts melting around them. Yeah. Apparently that upstairs, that melting wax bed that Mm -hmm. was in that bedroom, the wax was actually peanut butter. And Alicia Cuthbert kept getting stuck. (laughs) So they kept having, they, she repeatedly got stuck in this wax bed because she's just supposed to like run over the top of it. And apparently she kept getting stuck. Well, and I, I was getting Nightmare on Elm Street flashbacks on when they were, when he was trying to climb the stairs and his foot the was marshmallow sink- stairs. Yeah it, was, yeah. it was very much like the marshmallow stairs from Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Not quite as campy, but plus, you know, it would be both sticky and slick at the same time. Right. Exactly. It's, it's a weird texture. Mel- I don't know. Phrasing. Yeah. So, of course, Nick and Carly get the better of Bo and Vincent. They kill them. They get out of this melting house before they fucking die. They, they actually work smart since they realized, hey, wait, the whole house is wax, right? So they they didn't have to find an exit. They just made one. They basically just t- start tunneling through the wall. Yeah. Because they're like, well, it's melting anyway. Dig. So, flash forward, it's the morning. Yeah. They learn that this town, basically, when the sugar mill shut down, the town was essentially abandoned because there were basically essentially two things happened. Not only was the sugar mill shut down, but the interstate got put in. Right. So this town, which had a draw of everyone who lives here basically works in the sugar mill. And then there's also this great tourist attraction. Hmm. Well, that all kind of stopped being a thing. Whoa. Why am I suddenly getting a parallel to cars? I don't know. 
Because wasn't that one of the plot points that... Maybe? They, they put an interstate and... I don't know, man. It's been a long fucking time since I've seen uh, sorry, Cars. Sorry, I was just, just kind of getting a connection. I've always found Cars kind of a scary movie. It's weird, for sure. So, Nick and Carly are being taken away in an ambulance, and then we hear the sheriff talking to one of his cohorts, and they're like, yeah, we ran the Sinclair family name through this uh, database, and it turns out the Sinclairs didn't have two sons. They had three. Dun, dun, dun. Because it turns out Lester is the third Sinclair brother and has been helping. So. I, I And I, that's the end of the movie. And then they start playing My Chemical Romance. Which is, <laughs> I'm sorry, I stand by this. For the tone of the film and the end of the film and everything else, the song's fine. I don't have a problem with the song. It's, but, it's Helena, for anyone who's curious. But, you know, it's it's kind of like eating a piece of cheesecake and then finding a habanero pepper in the middle of it. You're just like, what the hell is this doing here? It just doesn't fit. I mean, I, I like habanero pepper. It's it, nice, fruity flavor, but it doesn't necessarily go in something like you know a cheesecake i don't think of of the my chemical romance songs they could have used i don't think that's the best one well you know did you want me to hold my anachronisms to the yeah to the end end. hold your anachronisms to the end okay i will say this film did introduce me to spitfire by prodigy so fair that's nice i do have a couple of facts okay actually no i already gave most of my facts i was able to weave them in because i'm smart well done you yeah high five Quiet high five. Quiet high five, because we care about our fans and their ears. All right. Let's talk about our second movie. Are you ready? Yes. That was okay. (laughs) That pause, good lord. So House of a Thousand Corpses. Indeed. From 2003. It's Halloween 1977, and a group of friends are traveling cross-country writing a guidebook for lesser-known roadside attractions. At Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men, two of the group become intrigued by the local legend of Dr. Satan and decide to find his hanging tree. Because, of course, that's a thing you do, I guess. On a rainy night. Yeah, why not? Yeah. After some car trouble, they're taken in by the Firefly family. But this family are not good Samaritans, and the night is about to get a whole lot worse. Or better. I mean, it really depends on your perspective, I guess. Yeah, fair. Written and directed by Rob Zombie. Yeah. This was his first film. I, most of the people that are in the movie, the thing that they're known for is being in this or other Rob Zombie movies. So I'm just going to say who they are in here because not only that, it's a long list. Sure. So Sid Haig is Captain Spaulding. Yes, indeed. Bill Mosley is Otis Driftwood. Yeah, he was in Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yes, he was. Chop top. Yep. Sherry Moon Zombie is Baby Firefly, although at this point she was not married to Rob Zombie yet, so she was just Sherry Moon. Yep. Karen Black is Mother Firefly. Mm-hmm. She's actually been in a movie with my uncle. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. Chris Hardwick is Jerry Goldsmith. Chris Hardwick, most people probably know because he hosts The Talking Dead, mm-hmm. uh, and he's also a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Aaron Daniels is Denise Willis. Jennifer Jostin is Mary. You don't like Mary. I don't like her, and we'll get into it. Okay. Rain Wilson is Bill Hudley. Yes, that Rain Wilson. That Rain Wilson from The Office, Dwight. Yeah. Walton Goggins is Deputy Steve Nash. Walter Phelan is Dr. Satan. Jake McKinnon is Earl Firefly, a.k.a. The Professor. Mm. Tom Big dude. T- yeah, big big dude with 
a very weird mouth. Tom Towles is Deputy George Wydell. Matthew McGorry is Tiny. <laughs> Robert Allen Mux is Rufus. Dennis Fimple, in his final film role, actually, is Grandpa Hugo. Mm -hmm. And then Harrison Young is Don Willis. Budget of $7 million, box office of 16.8. So, not bad. Not too bad, yeah. So, we have a cold open where we get to see the kind of person Captain Spaulding is. A couple of idiots decide they're going to try and rob him. And Captain Spaulding is not the kind of person you try and rob. No. I do love when the guy's like, I'm going to count to 10, and if you don't give me the drawer, I'm going to fucking shoot you and he's like one and then captain spawning goes fuck yo mama two fuck yo sister <laughs> he just keeps going yeah he's like i don't give a shit motherfucker you <laughs> I, I absolutely love that i i well and 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 this guy is holding this hand cannon t you know close-ish to captain spawning's face a foot or two and he makes some sort of, like, threat that he's making up on the fly. He's like, I gotta leap over this counter and, and kick your balls in. And, but it doesn't even make that much sense. And Captain Spaulding's like, what the fuck does that mean? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, when someone's threatening you with a gun, he's, he's got the wherewithal to be like, dude, you don't know what the hell you're doing. Get the fuck out before I ruin you. So Jerry and Bill are writing this guidebook about offbeat roadside attractions. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, they've dragged their girlfriends along. Their girlfriends are clearly not into it. Like Mary is at least kind of a... No, not Mary. Denise is at least like attempting to be supportive. But like Mary has this fucking look on her face. This constant, do I smell shit look. Okay, I feel like I, she smiled a few times when she was trying to take pictures in... That the, was Denise. <laughs> no, that was Mary. Are you sure? The one with the braid? That... That's Mary. Yes, the one with the braid is Mary. Yeah. She I don't know. She smiled a couple times. Mm, okay, fair. So she doesn't always smell shit. Sometimes she smiles and then she smells shit. Most of the time, though, she looks like she's just having the worst fucking time. Which, I mean, I've been dragged along to things before that I really don't care about, and she just doesn't hide it as well. Right. Captain Spaulding's got this cool thing in his gas station. It's it's not even really a ride because it, it's pushed by a guy. <laughs> it's on like a rail, like a track, yeah. but it's not an automated track. There's somebody pushing it and it's got displays on Albert Fish and Lizzie Borden and Ed Gein. And the final one is for a local legend of Dr. Satan, who yes. is basically this guy who worked in a local asylum and would experiment on the patients. Yep. And vigilante justice, they took him out to this tree, they hanged him, but his body disappeared and nobody knows what happened to it. They still don't. Right. Jerry gets like super into this legend. And so he has Captain Spaulding draw on a map, which at this point, I feel like because it starts storming, they should have been like, hey, we'll just go ahead because they're on their way to Denise's dad's house. Right. Right. And I feel like they should have just gone ahead to her dad's house and then like backtracked to the tree yeah, because it's pouring down rain. Not only that, but they're coming from somewhere. And it's late. It's late. It wouldn't take them but half a day to get back to where they were going. Right. So they pick up baby who is hitchhiking. Mm -hmm. She lives you know, really close to the hanging tree. So they're like, oh yeah, just take me home and then I'll take you to it. So on the way, somebody who's hiding like in the underbrush yeah. shoots out one of their tires. They think it's just a blowout. And so baby tells Bill, 
I'm just picturing John, John Travolta, Travolta with, yeah. you know, listening to the tapes. Sorry, that's from the movie Blowout. Yeah. Yeah. So Baby's like, oh, my brother's got a tow truck and we'll just walk to my house. It's not that much farther from here. And so Jerry and the girls stay with the car while Baby takes Bill to her house. After Rufus brings the car and everything, we get to meet the rest of the Firefly family. Mm-hmm. So in addition to Baby's half-brother, Rufus Jr., RJ, mm-hmm. we've got her adoptive brother, Otis Driftwood. Yeah. Her half-brother, Tiny, hmm. who is very tall, burn scars, He's probably doesn't talk. Probably close to seven foot. Yeah. Mama Firefly mm-hmm. and then Grandpa Hugo. They have this weird Halloween dinner, which is weird. And then there's a show, which is even weirder. Yeah, because it's mostly just Grandpa Hugo telling... Grandpa Hugo telling jokes, telling cunnilingus jokes, and then just screaming into the microphone. Yeah, and and then and then baby does a lip sync to Betty Boop's "I Want to Be Loved by You," mm-hmm. which Mary is not a fan of. No, and because baby at one point gets onto Bill's lap, and <laughs> I don't think Mary realized at this point. Maybe she should have, based on her surroundings. That these were not people to fuck around with. Yeah. But she like shoves baby off of his lap and calls her a fucking slut and a whore. And baby quite correctly tells her, you shouldn't have done that. And she's like, oh, why? What are you going to do? And baby pulls a fucking switchblade and is like, I'm going to cut your tits off and shove them down your throat. Which I'm sorry, but if that was an insult directed towards me or just a general person, I would say... You know what, that's a rather specific threat. That's very specific. Let's GTFO. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like something that's maybe been calculated before. Yeah. So they attempt to leave, but are taken prisoner. Yeah. Unfortunately. Because they, they had to stop and open the gate. Yeah. I well, just they did, but... I would have plowed through it. Well, you don't know what the gate's made out of. It's dark and rainy. Worth a shot. Fair. And this was the 70s. That car was probably... Steel. Was pretty... Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, we've got torture and mutilation and fish boy (laughs) that's what i have in my notes point number five torture mutilation fish boy checks out that's exactly what it says well because how do you fucking i i've made myself it has been pointed out to me gentle listeners that i tend to meander when it comes to plots a little bit so i'm trying to give myself points to keep myself on track and keep everything linear And you can't always have a whole lot of detail in those. Fair. So anyway, yeah, they're basically being held captive and they're being fucking tortured and shit. So as I mentioned earlier, the group was on their way to Denise's dad's house. Right. When they don't show up, he, who was a former cop, calls the sheriff, reports them missing. Two of the deputies find the car abandoned in the middle of a field with a dead body in the trunk. But it's not the body of any of the people we've already met. It's the body of a previous victim, one of these cheerleaders that's been missing for like a week. Yeah. So these two deputies and Don decide they're going to go to the Firefly home. I don't remember how they how they hit on that house. Oh, they uh, hit on that house because they first went to Spalding's. Spalding mentioned the tree. 
the deputy asked him to draw the same map. Oh, and the tree is near that house. And the tree is near okay. that house. And they That's said that right. after they found that car, they were going to go check out a couple local farms in that area. So that would be one of the places they would hit. They fucked up by showing up at that place with only three people. Uh, yeah. Because, yeah, they show up at the house and they all quite quickly get fucking murked. With one of the longest pregnant pauses of an execution I've I've seen in a while. Because there's there's a musical accompaniment to, to this one part. This deputy's on his knees. The song stops. I counted six breaths that I had. And yeah. then the trigger pulls. It feels like a it feels like a solid minute. I, I'm sure. It's I mean, not. I mean, I'm I sure wasn't. It's... I wasn't doing any kind of like, you know, yogic breathing or anything. I but was it's just... total silence, and because they're standing so they're so still. I actually, the first time I saw that, I thought it was a still image. But no. All right. So now it's time for the Firefly family Halloween ritual. Yes. Costumes and costumes and stuff, including Otis, skinning. Denise's dad and wearing his skin as part of his costume. Yeah, it, it, he. You know what? It, it's gruesome, but I will say, he is a master of his craft, and it looks. He, it looks like he did a good job. I mean, I'm the one who brings the Christmas candy. <laughs> Who's your daddy? <laughs> the the part where he he said, "Give your daddy some sugar." Give your daddy some sugar. Sticks his tongue through through the mouth. Through through yeah, through the mouth of her dad's. Up skinned face yeah that's that's where i'm like okay otis i kind of feel like these actors were just having so much fun oh yeah they had to have been yeah so the the survivors denise and mary and jerry are dressed like rabbits and taken to this old well mary attempts to run run rabbit Run, run run rabbit run but unfortunately is killed by baby Mm mm-hmm Later, her body is put on this funeral pyre in the middle of like, it's really cool. I like, there's like little wooden crosses everywhere, and it's a pyre of, there's like stone with legs going out yeah. in different directions, and then there's wood on top of the stone, mm-hmm. and they light that on fire, and somehow there's like, there's also kindling in the legs that go out, so it forms this really cool looking. It's a star pattern, but not a standard, like, uh, pentagram or pentacle. It's, yeah. It, it almost kind of reminds me of, like, a, a, a chaos star. Yeah, it's really cool. I also love Otis's, um, what I call Hell Priest yeah. outfit. Yeah. Because it's got, like, it's this red, really long cassock, almost. Okay, yeah, yeah. That buttons up to the throat, and it's, like, deep blood red. And then he has painted his face... In a very detailed skeletal pattern. So there's like the the white grease paint and then black detailing. And it looks fucking cool. Yeah. I don't know how long that would have taken, but it looks really neat. I have to imagine when this movie came out, the following Halloween, there were a lot of people with that particular costume. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. So Denise and Jerry are put in a coffin and lowered into the well. Mm-hmm. Jerry is taken by some of their previous sacrifices, I guess. I don't know. There are people that are in this muddy water that carry him off and then recede back into the water and never to be seen again. They kind of remind me of the mutters from Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah. And then unfortunately, when Denise finds him, he is being uh, vivisected by Dr. Satan. Yeah. Vivisection, for anyone who is unaware, 
is dissecting something that is still alive. That's the Vivi. Yeah. Viva. I will say, I do think it's really cool when Denise, she gets to the end of this skeleton-lined hallway and it kind of opens up into this well, well, not well-lit area, but slightly more lit area. Yeah. And there's like a chandelier made of bone and it's all very... Oh, yeah. It reminds me very much of the Sedlak Ossuary mm-hmm. in the Czech Republic. Yeah. I actually, at some point, I would like to do an episode on different interesting like creepy locations sure and talk about like the Sudluck ossuary and the the catacombs of paris and snake island stuff like that sure i actually and then i went and looked there's a reason that it looks like the Sudluck ossuary so it's based on it oh well that's a good reason i'm like that's why i'm like good job rob zombie you did a great job with that so denise is uh chased by earl firefly mm-hmm one of my least favorite parts of the movie, particularly when he removes that face mask thing and you see his weird butthole mouth. And some sort of... Thick... Some, like, phlegm. Like, like, a lot of phlegm. I'm like, dude, you you need a mucinex or something, man. Like, yeah, something. That, that shouldn't happen. It's it's gross. It's, it's the most uncomfortable part of this movie for me, just because, I don't know, it's really weird and gross. But she manages to escape and get back to the main road. And she's... Picked up by Captain Spaulding. Yes. Which, other than shooting those two robbers in the beginning, as far as we know, he's fine. Yeah. But he's not fine. Because she passes out. And, oh no, Otis is in the backseat of the car. Captain Spaulding is working with the Fireflies. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, because he's like, I'll get you to a doctor. I'll I'll take you you to a doctor. Yeah. And she passes out. Otis pops up. And then the next thing we see is her... Like, in close-up, and Dr. Satan and and Earl are around her. Yeah. So, not quite the doctor she expected. I mean, he said he was taking her to a doctor. He didn't lie. Most likely out of network. It's going to cost her her life. (laughs) That is fair. So, I have two fun facts. Okay. So, the house that they used is actually the same house that was used for the best little whorehouse in Texas in 1982. That's wild. Uh, it's actually part of the Universal Studios backlot tram tour. Okay. However, during filming, Universal refused to stop the tram tours. So occasionally they would have to, like, stop filming because of the tour was coming through. That sucks. And Universal in general kind of fucked this movie over. Yeah. Because they refused to release it because they're like, oh, it'll probably get a, an NC-17 rating. We don't want to release it. And then Rob Zombie was actually able to buy the rights back... And then Lionsgate wanted to release it. Yeah. And the other fucked up thing is that Universal had the later had the fucking balls to have a House of a Thousand Corpses section at one of their Halloween Horror Nights one year, which Rob Zombie apparently found hilarious. Like they refused to release the movie and now it's part of their Halloween Horror Nights thing. What the fuck? Right. Uh, one other thing I thought was neat, or at least I thought you would think was interesting. Mm. So the burial scene towards the end of the movie where the casket is lowered, mm-hmm. they push play on a tape deck yes. and lower that in too. The recording is a slowed down clip of Aleister Crowley repeating Bury Me in a Nameless Grave. Yeah. Which is the opening line from his poem, The Poet, which was recorded in 1920. That's interesting. I wasn't sure if you knew that. I wasn't sure that that was the... So that was actually... Alistair Crowley. That was Alistair Crowley. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, it was slowed down, so it's kind of hard to. Well, and there were some poets that they were able to do cool stuff like that with. Like, there's actually 
a recording of Sylvia Plath reading one of her poems also. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really cool. So let's get into David's Anachronism Corner. I only have a few, because I know this is going to be relatively this long This is going to be, well, you know, we'll figure it out. And they're all primarily around House of Wax. Okay, go. And this is where I get to be kind of a picky nerd. That's um, one of the things I love about you, babe. I, I guess kind of kind of following with your your whole you know you have questions sort of thing. Yeah. The the process on these mannequins, these or these these wax figures. Yes. Uh, generally speaking, when you are uh, painting something that could, and I'm, I'm just going from a frame of reference of painting, and you'll understand what I mean in a minute when I'm talking about ceiling and stuff. Uh huh. Moisture can be an issue. Now, wax should, in theory, seal out the moisture, mm-hmm. but there's moisture inside. Yes. So I'm wondering what kind of treatment is done to keep it from clouding behind the wax and causing discoloration. Because usually you would use like a spar varnish on the outside to keep it from clouding when moisture could be around. I don't know. And that just puzzled me. I mean, it looks like a relatively dry area, but it's also Louisiana, so... Yeah, it's so, so who knows? I don't I, know about the humidity in Louisiana. Like I like I don't want to think about these things, folks, but sometimes my brain starts wandering off on these things and it's like, you know, someone's face gets taken off and I'm like, that's nice and all, but why isn't why aren't these figures that have cobwebs? Why aren't why is it their discoloration or cloudiness right. or something? Right. Well, because we know they're on their way to Baton Rouge, but we, like like you pointed out, we don't know where they're coming from. Right, but on so, the GPS they were they were you know they were clearly in Louisiana. Right, no, they were in Louisiana, but we don't know where in Louisiana they were coming from. Fair. The other issue I have is with the big finale set piece of the wax, the eponymous house of wax being on fire. I don't feel like it was melting in a logical way because parts of the upper floor were coming apart way before, like really thick parts. We're coming apart way before thinner parts closer to flame. Yeah. Was coming apart, and I, fu- I felt like it was more of a plot convenience melting rather than a physics-based melting. And I sure, mean, that makes sense. I mean, granted, you, you don't want to have, like, you know, your, your actors in danger and, and things like that. And I, I don't know how much of that... Like, I don't think the place was actually melting on fire while they were trying to run away. There were well, individual no. set-piece chunks. But, yeah. I don't know. It just kind of took me out of it because I'm like, why is this area melting so quickly when they were just a little slippery on the floor over here and your foot's going through stairs? Why aren't their feet going through the floor two feet away? I don't know. It just, I I don't know how to connect the dots on that. No, I got it. So I just had to, I had to, you know, draw a little circle on my armchair and just press the I believe button. All right. Well, I'm sorry about it. It's it's okay. I, I don't dislike the movie. I, I don't want you to have the impression that I dislike the movie. It's just the first time I saw House of Wax, I was going in with the frame of reference of Vincent Price House of Wax, which, again, is a remake. Is a remake in and of itself. Right. But that's the one that I knew from childhood. So I'm like, what the hell does any of this stuff have to do with... It doesn't at all. <laughs> you know, so, so had I known, like, like you mentioned that at the beginning that you know it's it's similar in name only had i known that i probably would have not had such a sour disposition going into it the first time that's fair i mean it's it's a it's a fun romp yeah it's not one of it's one of those ones that it was it came out when i was really getting into horror movies well and it was dark castle so and it's dark castle which i like most of their stuff yeah 
so it has like it does have like that nostalgia hit for me right i will have a copy of it eventually it was on tubi that's how we watched it yeah you watch it for free yeah we watched it yeah tubi's awesome because it's it's there are ads but like there aren't that there yeah like every 20 30 minutes yeah that's not too bad but no there's a special edition that's coming out at some point soon that i would love to own um they're releasing special editions of actually a lot of dark castle stuff cool i just don't have them all yet so i think that's gonna do it for us for this week because the heat wave has broken but it's still hot and we've had the air conditioning off for over an hour. I'm starting to get a bit a bit yeah. clammy. A little, little, little spicy in here. <laughs> a little bit spicy in here. So as always, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it super, super much. Yeah, you're all fantastic. Everyone's great. We love you all. If you want to see what's going on with us, you can hit us up on our website. It's h2horrorcast.com. And uh, you can find all of our socials there. You can email us directly. David has written several blog posts that I really enjoy. Um, Well, I I released a new one, so. Yeah. There are also links to, direct links to the episodes there, and also links to our Patreon. Yeah. Our Patreon, patreon.com slash h2horrorcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can support us for as little as a dollar a month. If you want to do more than that, that's cool. Uh, If you want to support us in another way, you can always review us. Or recommend us to a or friend. Or recommend us to a friend. Uh, reviews, you can do that on uh, Apple Podcast. I don't know if Audible have has reviews for... Pretty, I know they have it for books, so I wouldn't... Um, I, would I would assume they busy. have it for yeah. podcasts if they have it for books. I should um, probably look into it. Google Podcast, I think, also has a way. Yeah. The only way that doesn't, I know, is Spotify. Right. Which is kind of a bummer, because that's how I listen to a lot of podcasts. But, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Maybe one day they'll fix it and who knows if if y'all are planning on taking a little road trip and seeing some of these weird attractions on along the roadside who better to bring with you than us you can just binge listen to us yeah there are force one of your friends to listen to it and make them feel like they're captive yeah i'm i'm planning a road trip for us in november and that's probably going to be at least i don't know if on the way there or on the way back when or above. when above yeah we'll definitely be listening to some podcasts while we're yeah. traveling all right Maybe, maybe some sing-along stuff, too. Oh, my God. Definitely sing-alongs. Musicals. Like, yeah. Fun musicals. We still need to do that uh, horror musicals episode that I promised Kelsey ages ago. It is in the <laughs> works. I promise you that. All right. Uh, so until next time, I'm Tia. And I'm still David. And thank you for listening. Stay spooky, friends. Bye. Music for this episode is Save Us Now by Shane Ivers. Our artwork is by Catherine Nixon.